Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That is ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send your questions to Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. Well, today is Wednesday, the day after the election, and we still do not have a result, uh, which is, you know, uh, pretty crazy. Okay, uh, so quick question. Uh, did you stay up late last night? Not super late. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I was up late for me because uh, my baby was up. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I was listening and stuff, but at about uh, midnight I was asleep, so... Well, we we are at a time that's really unprecedented, a mm-hmm. lot like 2020, <laughs> another 2020 unprecedented yeah. event where uh, both candidates have declared victory, mm. um, although maybe that happened in 20 or 2000. I don't know if they both – I thought yeah. Al Gore conceded back then, didn't he? Didn't he concede? He, he did, and then he – then he, he re- retracted mm-hmm, his concession. Yeah. Um, anyway – uh, both candidates, uh, even though uh, Vice President Biden said he's going to be patient, his lawyer came out and declared victory. Mm. Uh, President Trump said, although I think when I, I heard the replay, it seemed tongue in cheek. I mean, I don't think he he was declared. He said we've won. Yeah. I think almost like projecting we, we're going to win based upon I, I uh, knew they were going to challenge some of these states like. Uh, especially Wisconsin, Michigan, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, some of the, even Pennsylvania, some of the things that uh, had been reported in on other news sites, uh, like uh, I think in Wisconsin, they had a uh, hundred thousand more votes than registered voters, mm. which that's an impossibility. Mm. <laughs> You're yeah. not supposed to have yeah. more voters than those who are registered to vote. Uh, also, uh, I think you were sharing with me about a package that mysteriously appeared in Michigan that was a hundred plus thousand votes, and a hundred percent were for Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah, where there was no Trump votes in that yeah. package that just happened to appear. Now, those things could be legit, but they at least need to be explored because yeah. it just magically appeared and and there's just so much right now clouded well yeah like with arizona just uh, i think an hour or so ago you know last night it was said uh 98 of the voting was in and now that's come out to be a mistake it's only 86 percent of the votes have been tallied uh so yeah there's a lot of just confusion and well 84 percent in yeah, arizona yeah. right now this that means 16 percent of the register i mean of those that or is still out there to mm-hmm. count. Yeah. And when you've got already, they've got 2.7 million. Um, so, you know, let's, let's just say for just argument's sake that, uh, that out of that two, you know, the, just the 2.7 million, you just took 16% of that. 
um, you know, uh, that that's still that's that's a, a million votes. Mm. No, that can't be right. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm yeah. challenged. That's, uh, <laughs> no, no, that's I was wrong. Sorry, I, I was doing that on the fly. That's why I should never do that. Uh, <laughs> four hundred thousand votes, but that's still that's four hundred thirty-two thousand votes, and right now there's only a hundred thousand separating them. Mm. And so um, CNN has not called Arizona yeah. for president uh, or for Vice President Biden. Uh, Fox News has called it. Uh, it's just really kind of a mess right now, mm-hmm. which has been indicative of our whole 2020 <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is, uh, it's crazy. So um, as we think about this from a believer's perspective, you know, I go back to, remember I read um, from what Abraham Lincoln wrote back when he was mm-hmm. 28 years old, by the way. That's unbelievable mm-hmm. that he was that old. It was back in eight. 1938 is one of his first speeches. He talked about the perpetuation of our political institutions and said, at what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? He said, I answer, if it ever reaches us, it must spring up among us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of freedmen, we live through all time or we die by suicide. So what must you and I do in these days to help our nation live through this time? Well, we have to come together. We mm-hmm. really do. Uh, we got to realize, especially as believers, that we do our best to be good stewards, to be good citizens, to be influencers. And we leave the results up to God. We can't change what's going to happen. Yeah. You and I, we've done our part. Mm-hmm. And now it's outside of our hands. And so we are not responsible for what other people do. We're only held responsible before God for what we do and how we respond. Mm -hmm. And his people are always to be people who respond in faith. That means our faith in him. So when the world falls down around us because we don't like the results or we don't like what's happening, we have to come back to the fact that regardless of what happens in the election, we're his children and Our job is to run the race of faith, put him on display to people. And what does that look like in 2020? Well, um, you know, um, we, we are salt and light. He says, you are the light of the world. So when there's darkness, we shine a light in it. We don't blind people, but we just shine a light to try to help people see, um, you know, um, Jim Dennison today, quoted a a lady named bonnie christian who wrote in christianity today that um our lord warned against malice and murder in matthew 5 and the rejection of love that motivates us to murder somebody and jesus said if you hate somebody Mm -hmm. you murder them uh he's jesus said it is just as real and grave a sin when it leads us to despise them by that standard then we've been at civil war for a long time yeah because we have despised people. And, um, you know, if you think about how negative it has been toward one another, evangelicals, mm-hmm. people who profess to, I mean, listen, we can be upset about situations, but we got to remember that 
that there's a spiritual war going on. Mm-hmm. And our theme verse is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, which says the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. We are not battling against flesh and blood. We are battling against principalities. And for that, we need to be reminded that our enemy is not the person we're looking at. It's the enemy that may manipulate that person, the spiritual forces of darkness. Because why would we expect unbelievers to act like believers? It doesn't mean we can't have a voice in our government. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be patriotic. We can't get upset about injustice. All those things are valid. But it just means that as believers, we've got to remember God has placed us here as his light, as his salt. What does salt do? It purifies. It makes people thirsty. Uh, Too much salt and we choke them. But we're just supposed to make them thirsty by the way we put God on display. And so I just want to remind you, if you're listening, you know, the first segment, we usually just talk about what's going on in our culture. And believe me, right now, the 2020 election is the most talked about thing in our culture right now Mm -hmm. uh, because people are so upset. You got both parties claiming victory, both parties claiming the other's cheating. And right now, the biggest loser in my mind of it all is America right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is something that's going to drag out, you know, for a while. Um, but, yeah, the church has an opportunity to uh, show something radically different. And, you know, recently the church, I would say, has been kind of at each other's throats uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. Maybe that's a strong uh, way to put it. But, you know, there's an opportunity to show what it's like to come together um, because if the nation doesn't come together, obviously – uh, we're going to be headed towards uh, real problems. I mean, I, we're already in real problems, but they're, they're just going to deepen. Well, um, you know, being upset, and Jim Dennison talked about this too, is that, you know, if you go back even to Rutherford B. Hayes, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was back in the 1700s, you know. Um, the 1800s. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh uh, but he, he he was he was talking about Rutherford B. Hayes, John Quincy Adams in the second election and uh, uh, talked about Andrew Jackson's wife was called a prostitute mm-hmm. um, and the corruption that took place with Hayes and Ab- Adams. And, you know, he's he's quoting a guy named uh, George Friedman and Friedman says that loathing candidates is normal. Well, mm-hmm. if that's true, then we're very normal because. You have both sides loathing the other instead of saying, you know what, I just disagree with it. But people are so divisive about it. And as believers, I just don't know what purpose it serves. We may not like people or their policies, but it's like people who sin, you know, who are caught in uh, addiction or people who are choosing to go against God in certain ways. We aren't to hate the sinner, we're to hate the sin. Mm. We never affirm sin, but we want to have a relationship with people to be able to speak the truth of God to them. And, uh, you know, I I don't know, I just, I was thinking about what he wrote in there, and I was thinking about this election, and how many missed opportunities have we had Mm. because we care more about 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue than somebody's soul. And you know, yeah. 
I mean, just think about that. I'm not saying we shouldn't be passionate about our government and our our civic responsibilities, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the thing that's most important is the eternal souls of people. Yeah, I haven't heard a whole lot about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, we will be right back uh, after the break. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, A Store and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That is Doug at SWATradio.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. And you can download our SWAT app in the App Store. We would also like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER. And those of you who are listening via podcast, we'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll free number is 1 844 777 7928. That's 844 777 7928 or 844 777 SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. I pull, go back and forth, finding myself Pounding on a locked door I try to make it out alone without your help But I know I never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me without That is Freedom Hymn by Austin French. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we took the first segment, as we do uh, every day, to talk about the news of the day, obviously uh, focusing on the election last night. And then today we are going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, um, talking about uh, the races that we can run. That's found in verses 18 through 29. Um, So I think we are going to head there as the election stuff is still uh, up in the air. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. We're going to get into Hebrews because uh, we can be talking about this election yeah. for days to come. Yep. Hey, I wanted to let our listeners know 
that tomorrow I'm going to be interviewing Steve Farrar. Steve Farrar is a friend, a mentor. Uh, I met Steve out in Texas years ago, and he became a, a, a just a guy connected with, and he is a He's the founder and chairman of Men's Leadership Ministries. He's written a book called Point Man, How a Man Can Lead His Family, that was really, uh, along with 15 other books, he's written a lot. Um, wrote one called Finishing Strong, God Built, uh, Battle Ready. And he's just really had a passion to equip men to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And he's a fascinating guy. He's uh, very well read on history. And I love that about yeah, him. And cool. uh, he's going to be our guest tomorrow, Steve Farrar out of Dallas, Texas. Um, I would love for you to join us. Uh, I think you'll really be encouraged. Um, I don't, he speaks truth plainly and just, you know, and, and he's unashamed about God's word, how it instructs us. And I've always appreciated about that. So I hope uh, you will join us tomorrow for that, Steve Farrar. Um, well, we're, we're in Hebrews chapter 12. And we are looking at the fifth warning. And today we actually get into the verses where that fifth warning is. Um, We have um, been in Hebrews for about a year now, uh, going through each chapter verse by verse. And we're in 18 through 29. And we've looked at uh, yesterday the two races we can run as believers. You know, the Christian life is a faith race marathon. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we can run a faith race or a performance race. And the writer we saw yesterday in Hebrews 12, 18 through 24, lays out two different races. One is performance-based going to Mount Sinai, the mountain of law. One is um, a faith race going to Mount Zion, the mountain of grace. And he gives an example in verses 18 through really 21. 21 about mount sinai where it's uh, he's quoting from exodus 19 about smoke fire judgment uh, really engaging the physical senses to paint a picture of this is not the race you're running you're running the faith race the one that goes to mount zion and you asked me yesterday taylor what zion meant it means mark it's i mean it's like you put your mark on something to let people know it's yours god put his mark on his people and he said my name's going to dwell at zion and we we saw in psalm 132 he says it's my chosen dwelling place psalm 48 2 zion is the joy of the earth first kings 14 21 says god put his name there and he gives them this picture of the difference between a um a, a grace approach to him or a, a performance approach to him. And you can't approach God on Sinai. You can, but it brings death. Mm-hmm. But you can approach him on Zion and you get life. Why? Because of the cross. And we looked at the seven benefits of coming to God from verses 22 to 24. Uh, you come to the city of God. There's angels, an angel party going on. Uh, you're in the assembly of the firstborn who is Jesus. You're there because your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the world began. You have an audience with God, the judge, not because of what you do, but because of what he did. The Old Testament saints are made perfect there in Christ. Jesus, you get to come to him, our mediator, and then the sprinkling of the blood. Those are all the benefits. Well, today we're in verses 25 
through 27. Actually, we're going to go all the way to 25 to 29. And so we saw the two races you can run, either the faith race or performance race to Mount Sinai or Zion. And today we're looking at the two responses we have. And he says in verse 25, don't, don't reject him. That's the fifth warning. The, the other warnings were in chapter 2. He says, don't, don't drift away from the message. Chapter 3, don't harden your heart. Chapter 5 and 6, he says, don't waver. You, you should be teaching by now. You've had so much information. So don't waver between the old and the new. Don't you Let your rest be in the faith race, not in the performance race. And then chapter 10, he said, don't be an apostate. And now here in chapter 12, he says, don't reject Jesus. And so he gives us the two responses that we can have to either run the faith race and receive Christ, or we can reject him and run the performance race. And then in verse 28 and 29, we see the two results. Um, We see the two results of which race we run. We run the faith race. This is the result. We run the performance race. This is the result. And so why don't you read verses 25 through 29? We're going to come back and look at each one of those as we uh, finish up chapter uh, 12. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Uh, May God bless his word. So you look down in verse 25, and he says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. He's saying, don't reject Jesus. Who's speaking? It's Jesus who's speaking. It's God who's speaking. You know, so often... When we go and we hear a message from somebody at a church, somebody who's opening up God's word, explaining the text to us, we think that person is the one who's speaking to us. And and what Paul says in his letter to the Thessalonians, he says, "Listen, don't when you reject this, you're not rejecting man, you're rejecting God." Mm. In other words, this is God's word to you. Now, you or I, Taylor, today, we, we don't have authority in what we say apart from it coming from God's Word, yeah. like any divine authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only divine authority that comes from any human is when they utter God's Word and explain what that Word means properly. Yeah. So because we're flawed human beings, sometimes we may not explain it properly, but the Holy Spirit's pretty good about explaining it to his people. Mm-hmm. And as I've grown over my last 40 years or so, um, it's amazing how God reveals things through his word. And you start to see things point, you know, the dots being tied together. So you see, oh, you remember those old picture books that was dots and you didn't know what it was. You just saw dots mm-hmm. and you connect the dots and you go, yeah. wow, that's, a, that's an animal or something. Mm-hmm. Well, over our Christian life, when you first start off, you may not see 
what's God showing you initially. You've got to connect some dots, but then you start to see, oh, this is how this unfolds. This is what this means. And so what he's doing here is he's saying, now, I've laid all this out for you. you you've completed the, the page. You've, you've connected every dot. Now, don't reject it, that picture. Don't look at that because he's saying one of the responses we can have is that we can reject Jesus. And he, he makes this statement. He says, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. So he's contrasting who warned from earth. He's talking about Moses, Mount Sinai. Remember, yeah. mm-hmm. Moses warned, "Don't, don't, don't, you know, don't reject this law, or you're going to pay." What happened if they rejected the law? And the testimony of two witnesses, they were killed. Mm-hmm. Well, what's worse than losing your physical life? It's eternally being damned by the Most High God, the Creator of the universe, to be eternally separated and punished beyond our wildest measure of what that would look like for thousands and, well, for eternity. Yeah. And to be separated from God, no help, no hope. And so he says, at at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he's promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but the heavens. In other words, if you rejected Sinai, it shook the earth. You reject Zion, it shakes the heavens. And if you want to know what that looks like, you can flip to Second Peter three and read, you know, in Second Peter three, he kind of gives a little bit of a picture there of what that will look like. And uh, you can uh, you can go down to actually probably verse uh Verse 8, actually, uh, no, go to verse 10. All right, you know what? We'll do it when we come back because I know we got to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to have you read verse 10 from Second Peter chapter 3 when it talks about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not a good thing for people that don't know him. Yeah. It's a bad thing. So, uh, All right, we will be back with more after the news. We would like to give a special thanks uh, to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as Tom Neal Trucking and Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. We'd also like to give a shout out to our local listeners listening here in Jacksonville on 91.7, as well as in St. Augustine at 91.9 and in Folkestone, Georgia at 91.3. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. SWAT Radio, that is Need to Breathe with Brother. If you are just joining us, uh, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. We are looking at Hebrews uh, this week, and today we're looking at chapter 12, um, verses 18 through 29. Uh, 
actually verses 25 through 29 today. Um, and in the first segment, we talked a little bit about the news of the day with the uh, election uh, being last night. We spent our time talking about that. So if you missed any of that and would like to go back and listen or listen to past programs, you can visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. And or you can look for our podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, you know, I want to go back and remind our listeners of the A.W. Tozier quote. I love A.W. Tozier. If you've never read anything by him, just go to Amazon.com, put in A.W. Tozier, T-O-Z-E-R, and anything you read by him is going to mm-hmm. really uh, knock your socks off spiritually. God really used him in my life. Uh, he just had a way of of sharing how God impacted his life from Scripture and the things God revealed to him in his own life. But he said this, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. And then he went on to say it's far worse to believe wrongly about God than to not believe at all. And, you know, when we think about our faith race, running the race of faith, uh, so often we talk about running a faith race, but we in actuality run a performance race. Yeah. We, we think, I did this, so God owes me this. You know, I, I, I'm going to church, or mm-hmm. I'm reading my Bible, or I'm doing all the right things. Why is my life not working out? <laughs> yeah. Because he's bringing discipline into your life. And it's not necessarily punishment or corrective. You, you remember, God doesn't punish you he punished jesus for your sin so if you are sinful which we all are still he brings correction into our life but he doesn't christ took our punishment Mm -hmm. and but he also brings discipline to instruct us and to protect us in our life and so there's times that these things come in and so he's telling these people these things and he's teaching them when you run this race, you can run to Sinai or you can run to Zion. Zion is grace, and Sinai is performance, keeping the law. And remember we said yesterday there's no forgiveness without the law, there's no love without judgment, and there's no mercy without God's wrath. And what we've been looking at today is he he warns him, don't reject Jesus. If you think it was bad to reject the moral law that Moses gave, which the purpose then was never for that law to save us. It was simply to reveal we had a need. We all need Jesus. We need a Messiah. We need a Savior. Then he's saying that if you reject the one he did send, the one speaking from heaven now that tells us that Zion is by grace and God's approachable through Christ, if you reject him, this is what is going to happen on the day of the Lord. Second Peter three ten. Read it uh, if you've got it. Second right Peter three ten. Just read from ten down to verse thirteen. But the, <clears throat> excuse me. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, 
and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heaven for new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The whole thing is going to go away. Imagine a nuclear explosion so big that it wipes out the entire earth. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know if it's going to be a meteor. I know people have talked about that. We, we have no idea, but God holds the earth in a perfect rotation right now that if we were any closer to the sun, we would burn up. Mm-hmm. If we were further away, we'd freeze to death. So something's going to happen that's everything's going to burn up. Yeah. And most of us don't ever visualize that happening in our lifetime, but we live almost like, you know, putting our head in the sand. Like we just don't want to, we don't want to know. We, we, you know, we're just going to go on and pretend like it's not going to happen. And he's saying, how then shall we live if this is true? Well, he's saying, if you reject Jesus, it's going to be a bad thing. But he's saying, if you receive him, then you are coming to Zion where we can approach God through Christ. And he's saying through this, listen, there's two covenants, the old covenant, the new covenant with Jesus. The old covenant was, was a two way covenant. The new covenant is one way. God says, I'm doing the work for you. I'm taking the penalty for your sin it's better. Jesus is better. Two sacrifices. One the old in the old covenant was animal that um, when an animal was sacrificed, that only temporarily covered your sin like a forbearance. But Jesus' sacrifice took away our sin penalty mm-hmm. forever. Jesus is better. And he says there's two spokesmen here. Moses, who represented the old covenant, and Jesus representing the new. Jesus is better. So Don't reject Jesus. So think about this. Have you ever wondered, Taylor, why there are Jews in the United States? Why there are Jews in Europe? Why there are Jews in South America, Africa, Russia, you know, wherever they are? Where should the Jewish people be? In Israel. Yeah, in the promised land. All of them should be there. Why? Because that's where God is dwells mm-hmm. at least where he told him he was going to dwell and he and and that was their inheritance and that was such a big deal until when the babylonian captivity mm-hmm. the syrian captivity they were scattered by the romans and, and they've yeah. never been back mm-hmm. they're all over now there was a regathering at one point but not all they're still all over the world there's a lot of jewish people in the united states you go to new york you see the orthodox jews mm-hmm. up there you see them they're all over and and the reason they're in all these places is because God uh, warned about it in Hosea. He said, I'm going to scatter you. You're going to be judged because you've rejected me. But they rejected the old covenant. They didn't, I mean, when they rejected him, and he's going to bring them back according to Revelation one day, they're going to all be brought back. There's going to be 144,000. And they're going to be witnesses that are talking about Jesus, that are presenting Christ, and they're going to be sharing about that. And and what's going to happen is there will be people that respond to that message who no longer will be just people who tip their hat to God. They're going to bow their heart to him. 
This second group of people that we talk about a lot in Hebrews is people who tip their hat to God. Their cur- God doesn't want our courtesy. He wants our hearts. Yeah. He, he wants us. We're his. He wants us to be in deep relationship. He doesn't want to do just a moral refurbishing of our life. He doesn't want to get us the hell insurance. You know, he wants us to be changed, conformed to the image of Christ. So he says these are the two responses that you can have. You can reject him, which he warns not to, or you receive him. Well, what are the two results? Well, it goes into verse 28, going back to Hebrews chapter 12. And he says, therefore... Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So if we do receive him, if that's our response, the result is we're gifted an inheritance that can't be shaken. By that, it means it's not going to be taken away. Yeah. It's an inheritance that should cause us to be grateful and worship. That's what Paul saw in Second Corinthians where he said, these are light and momentary afflictions. Mm. What are you talking about, Paul? Oh, five times he received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. A day and night he spent in the ocean. He was naked, often without food. All that's in Second Corinthians 10 or 11. And he's laying out all this suffering. But back in Second Corinthians 4, he says, these are light and momentary afflictions that are far outweighed by the things that await for us on the other side, talking about when we leave this place. He saw the future rewards, and he saw that it's an inheritance that cannot be shaken. So he said, you know what? I'm willing to endure this. And we, you and I talked about how a football player goes through two-a-days, not because he loves the two-a-days, but he, he loves what awaits when they win that football game at the mm-hmm. end. So he's working toward a goal and he's moving toward a goal. His faith race is taking him toward a, a playing well as a team and getting a victory. Well, in the Christian faith race, our moving forward through pain and moving toward, forward through suffering and discipline and all these things is taking us toward an inheritance that cannot be shaken. On the other side, if we reject it, he said in verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. And that's a judgment statement. We will be judged if we reject. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, my God's a loving God. He would never send people to hell. He would never condemn people. Those people don't know the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Those people don't know what God says about himself. Mm -hmm. When he says he's a consuming fire, that's a judgment statement all the way through the Old Testament. It was symbolic of God's judgment on people for rejecting him. So if you reject him, whose fault is it? Yours. It's not God's fault. Yeah. You're responsible. You don't re- that that's like that's ludicrous. That's like somebody who has a deadly disease and you offer them the cure and they say I don't want it. Who's Whose fault is it that they die from the disease? It's their fault for rejecting it. Mm-hmm. God offers it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We have a responsibility to respond to the message. And what he's saying is if you reject him, there's going to be judgment. And you stand before God based on your merit, your performance. And mine doesn't measure up. I don't know about yours. I want Jesus to stand in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, that is for sure. 
Um, we will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. Letters by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29 this week, which is the fifth warning, which is do not reject Jesus. Uh, so if you have any questions about what we've talked about so far, or you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1 844 777 7928. That's 1 844 SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. You know, Doug, I had a question for you about the uh, consuming fire. And, you know, you said that's a judgment statement yeah. uh, for those who are not saved. But for us as Christians, is it like a consuming fire that, you know, God will you know, indwell us and consume us, um, you know, and, and become more... Uh, I guess, influential in the Lord of our lives more? Is there any aspect of that in the text? or um, You know, I, I think people look at it that way, and sometimes it's used that way, but not in the context in this particular mm. passage. When he says our God is a consuming fire, 
at the end of verse 29. Uh, if you go back to verse uh, Deuteronomy 4, let me see, Deuteronomy 4, 24. Uh, see if that's it. Maybe I got the right one. Uh, he says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Yeah. yeah. He's not talking about <laughs> a fire of influence yeah. there. He's talking about, I'm a jealous God. He says, uh, right before that, he says, Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and you make up carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. And he says, Our God is a symbolic fire. In Zechariah 13, God, it says, is a refiner who brings the Israelites through the fire in order to refine them as silver is refined. And remember, if they if you refine silver, how do you do that? You heat it up, and mm-hmm. what comes to the top? Uh, the, something called dross, which is the impurities. Yeah. And, and it fires pictured as a purifying agent uh, in people's lives. Um, and so... Um, I just think uh, most of the time when you see fire in the Old Testament, it was always symbolic of judgment. Remember, how did they consume the sacrificial meat? Yeah. It was with consumed with the fire, right? Mm-hmm. That was God's judgment on the animal yeah. for the sins that the people committed. So um, I do think there is a holy fire that that's that dross, that purifying fire that mm-hmm. I, I, I think uh, – you know, we see uh, even, um, you know, there's different verses in the Old Testament that it, but for the most part, contextually, you see a lot of times fire is judgment. That's what he's talking about here. Mm-hmm. When he's quoting here, it's in relation to um, what I would call spiritual promiscuity, mm-hmm. going toward other things other than the one true living God. Yeah. And for them particularly, it was them looking toward their own performance. I can be good enough mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, the law was given to show us our need for a Savior. Um, you know, um, I was trying to think. Uh, it, I just it mentioned John, um, um, Deuteronomy 4.24. If you go back to even Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19, how did God destroy them? Fire. Yeah. Um, So I think when you think about how God consumed people in the Old Testament, I think, you know, um, that was one of the reasons that um, that when Elijah wanted to call down the fire, it Mm -hmm. was I mean, think about that picture of what he gave the Israelite people. He wet the wood. He wet uh, uh, put a trough around it with water. And it says the fire came down and licked it all. It mm-hmm. took it all up. And so, uh, and then what happened right after that? All the prophets got slain. Yeah. So it was always, I think, symbolic of judgment. Certainly in this text here, that's what he means. And so the way we kind of end this time, we saw the two races we can run, the two responses we can have, and ultimately the two results. We got to ask ourselves a question. What do I really believe about God? Going back to that A.W. Tozier question, what do I really believe about God? Uh, Not what I I want people to believe I believe, or not even what I want to believe. It's what do I really believe? Because our actions betray our beliefs. Yeah. 
ultimately what we do shows our beliefs. What finish line am I running to? Am I going to Sinai performance or am I going to Zion? It's him and what he's done. Am I tipping my hat to God or am I bowing my heart and bowing my knee? And I think those are questions we have to wrestle with. And as we read this text, remember, God's word is like a mirror. It just, we put it up in front of us, we read this, and we have to answer those questions for ourselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. Taylor, I teach through this, you know, five times a week. Yeah. And every time I teach it, I got to look at myself Mm -hmm. and go, okay, am I running a performance race? Because even though I'm a believer, a true believer, I can still drift over to performance thinking why because that's the way we are as humans Mm -hmm. everything in our culture leads us that way school from the time you start school um a job you know we think performance oriented and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have standards and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to you know put forth a good effort but we have to understand that our efforts toward God do nothing to buy us favor with God. Yeah. Our efforts for God are a response to what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between our motivation there. One is to say, thank you. One is to say, pick me, pick me, God. Let me, let me be good enough. Let me do this. Come on. Don't, don't I deserve your blessing? Mm. And so I don't know if, you're listening out there and maybe you think, well, why doesn't God bless me? He seems to bless my neighbor because he's more holy than I am. And he doesn't No. Sometimes God gets our attention by removing his presence or allowing discipline to come into our life. If we're his. And, um, and sometimes he's just trying to get our attention and our first order of business should be God. Is there anything in me that you don't want to be in me? I want to turn from that because I want you to be my guiding light. I want you to be my all in all. I want you to be the thing that I depend on more than anything, the person that I depend on, not myself, because we tend to be very self-sufficient in this country. Mm -hmm. Even though we may present like we're not deep down and you know, self-pity is a form of pride. Did you know that? I mean, it's a, it's a form of pride too. And, and God wants us to rest in him, to brag on him, and to put him on display to people as we run our faith race. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, bringing up how we are in this culture. Um, you know, my uh, brother-in-law and my sister moved uh, kind of out to a more rural space, and uh, my brother-in-law was talking about how the the neighbors around were a lot more friendly and were like, hey, use this if you want it. And he said it was so different than... He grew up in the suburbs, and you know there's a hundred lawn lawnmowers and lawn blowers or uh, leaf blowers, and everybody had their own individual thing, so that they didn't have to rely on their neighbors in any way. And so that's kind of our culture, and then that we apply that sometimes, a lot of times, to our, our what we do uh, as far as faith goes. Well, I, you know, I want to go back to a question you ask. Um, Fire is also symbolic of the Holy Spirit, too, and I think that's what you were alluding to. If you go back into Exodus, the Shekinah glory of God appeared as a fire. And um, I think, you know, Paul, when he wrote in the Romans, uh, as the Holy Spirit indwells, it burns within us. That, That analogy is used 
but that's different than what he's talking about here. Mm. In this specific case, he's mentioning from Deuteronomy the fire of judgment. And I think so. So I'm not making a statement that all fire yeah. is judgment, but typically fire was judgment in the Old Testament, and especially in that context of Deuteronomy. That's why it's important to know the Old Testament yeah. to know. Okay, he's quoting from Deuteronomy here. Yeah, because otherwise you get you pull stuff out of context right. and you don't know what he's talking about. So I would you, would it be fair to say that fire represents something different for the believer than it does for the unbeliever um well i think even for the believer it can be a consuming fire i mean i mean we're not in danger as believers of the fire of judgment yeah but it's important for us to understand that people who aren't in the family of god are yeah yeah and so i think but for us when we think of the fire of um of the spirit that's a different you know like mm-hmm. tongues of fire that came down mm-hmm. at, at pentecost that was very different than the fire of god's judgment um when you think of the fire of hell you know the fire of gehenna mm-hmm. that was a garbage pit outside the city yeah that that christ used as a, a metaphor really for what hell's going to be like mm-hmm. because it's a refuge it's, there's no hope there there's no help there and it's an awful place and so um anyway i i just think that the thing to remember is that we don't want that result we don't want to be <laughs> yeah. judged by yeah. god the creator of the universe we want to be gifted the inheritance that comes from receiving him so receive not reject and remember run the faith race yep all right we you've been listening to swat radio if you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs please visit us at www.swatradio.com that's www.swatradio.com or you, you can listen to our podcast by searching swat radio you can also download our swat app in the app store Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT radio. We will see you then. Thank you for tuning in. And join Doug tomorrow as he interviews Steve Farrar. Yep. Yep. It'll be a good interview. Hope you join us. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual